Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today's Tuesday, February 20th. I'm Stephen Overley. I get pitched potential guests all the time for this podcast. And last week, a name landed in my inbox that I hadn't heard in about three years. John Mates is the former CEO of Parler. You might recall that's the social media app that became a favorite for far-right personalities spreading conspiracies during the 2020 election. But John was fired in the wake of the January 6th insurrection. At the time, Parler was being booted off of app stores for allowing harmful speech to essentially go unchecked. And John reportedly clashed with his conservative business partners over the path forward. Now, this pitch told me John is trying for a second act. He's come out with an app called Hedgehog that's part social media, part news aggregator. And it's being backed by the parent company of Fox News. So did I want to talk to John about this? Yeah. Yeah, I did. There's been a wave of new social media sites in the last couple of years. Apps like Blue Sky and Mastodon that build themselves as a deliberate departure from the way big players do it, like Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook or Elon Musk's X. Well, John told me his new venture aims to be a departure from his last one. On Hedgehog, you see headlines from reputable, verified news outlets. And while anyone can view these headlines, only people who have been invited to join Hedgehog can leave comments. And in order to post news of your own, you have to pay a fee. The idea, as John explained it, is to keep out fake news, bots, spammers, and political extremists. And he plans for the site to add users slowly, and for civility to be strictly enforced. Again, all the exact opposite of what happened on Parler. I immediately wanted to know what prompted John to make this abrupt shift, whether he felt responsible for Parler's handling of the 2020 election, and how exactly he plans to do it all differently this time. So, I called him up and asked. Here's our conversation. Well, John, welcome to Politico Tech. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I remember when you launched Parler, it was really sort of based in many ways on this ideological view that online speech should be unrestricted. Mm -hmm. You did get a lot of pushback for that. Ultimately, you know, got pushed out of the company as CEO, but... What view is really driving this new venture? You know, if you kind of look back in time, there was this idea of ultimate freedom of speech and expression online. Because, I mean, and if you take a look at social media as a whole, social media consistently gets these moderation questions wrong. And so back then it was, let's bring people the most speech possible and allow them to have these conversations. Now, that works maybe more in person, but not online when you can make hundreds of accounts and spam and do all sorts of crazy stuff, right? right. So now that we take an approach to this, how do we create productive discussion? And so that's really what we're, you know, we're pivoting to here is how do we get people to have a conversation with one another and walk away saying, oh, well, you know, I might not agree with this person, but at least I learned something. And that's just not something you experience on social media. And so that's what we're trying to pivot to. Just hearing sort of how you describe it, this idea of like productive conversations or respectful individuals and thoughtful discussion. I mean, if we're honest here, like that doesn't describe most social media interactions online today. 
what's your plan to keep this thing from just becoming more comment wars and echo chambers? Yeah, I mean, it's a, you got to start with a kind of utopian idea, right? So that's our big picture. That's what we want. Now, how right. do we get It sounds that? very much utopian. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, how does this thing actually work? Yeah. So what we've done is we've, we've created some kind of, um, uh, if you will, I, I wouldn't call it really barriers to entry, but we make it like you can't just sign up and get in and start commenting, right? So that's the first thing is conversation erodes online because you can make hundreds of accounts and just start spamming. And that's not good. So on Hedgehog, you have to be invited to come in and comment. And then if you want to actually post, like unlock all the social media features, you're, it, it, it's a paid platform for that. And so that really creates this slow but steady growth process. On top of that, we've built a system that we're calling respect. And so on Hedgehog, you earn respect by being respectful. And so um, this is more of like a gamification system. And so you can earn points by engaging properly. And then with those points, you can invite new people. And so as the social media grows, it's growing from the people who are setting the example for the others on the platform. The other thing I'm, I'm thinking is, as you're describing this platform and kind of this utopia, mm-hmm. as you said, that you're, you're trying to build online, I mean, it just does sound so different in many ways from what Parler evolved into, right, over the, the course of your time there by the time you left. How much of this idea was driven by your experience there and kind of how that platform evolved? Well, I mean, a lot of it, right? When we started Parler back in the day, it was this utopian idea about free speech. And then what happened was, you know, we had a lot of um, really, you know, diverse and interesting people come in at first who built this community, which was amazing. Over time, other people came in and I think other people got involved and more agendas started coming into play there, especially at the end. And that's where we saw a lot of the problems occurring. It's this hyper viral growth, uncontrolled and a lot of political kind of toxic agendas getting involved. And that's what, that's what really, I think, um, kind of put us at odds there at the end. Now, we're taking a look at this situation. We're starting here. We're starting and we're saying, look, it, we don't want social media to get out of control first. We want to make sure we got good moderation, but we also want to respect people's ability to have those conversations. So we don't want to be policing the platform. We want to empower the community by giving them the ability to moderate in addition to us. Of course, we've got AI there. Of course, we've got human moderators. But we also trust everybody on the community to ensure that the community is growing in a productive way. On the content moderation front, I'm curious how Hedgehog will handle some of these issues that a lot of tech platforms deal with. But, you know, in particular, thinking back three years ago now, you were obviously under a lot of criticism for how Parler handled the January 6th insurrection and the fact that some of President Donald Trump's supporters were on the platform talking about overturning the election and and that content wasn't removed. You defended that decision at the time. Do you stand by that now? Or in, in hindsight, did you go about that the wrong way? Yeah, we we had a lot of really tough decisions to make back then, and we had to do it with the information we had at the time, right? And so if we take a look back with the information we have now, the decisions become far more obvious, right? And so I think back to, oh, what would I have done differently? Well, I would have done probably quite a bit differently. What, what would it be? Well, um, let's start back with some context. So like leading up to January 6th, back in 2021, um, we had actually already notified the FBI about at least a week in advance that something was happening on the Capitol in January 6th. And there were some bad actors that were trying to organize something and we had started banning those accounts. So, hmm, okay. So that, so you were banning so, and removing. Yeah, we were. And we were already actively trying to, trying to do something and it's not good for the business either 
to have a bunch of people trying to take users off your platform and convince them to go to some rally and join these private groups somewhere else. So we got rid of all that before it could really organize and materialize on the platform. The problem is, is we also took a lot of heat for it because I think at the time we were very political um, and easy target. But that being said, I mean, everything that happened on that event was really tragic and horrible. And I don't think a lot of social medias have really stepped up to the plate to change the events that might have led to the next one, right? So there are still these unmoderated groups online. I think in order to really tackle this, you have to change your approach to social media and at least think about that problem a little bit differently. And that's why you know, we've come to the conclusion or I've come to the conclusion that we need to also limit the growth in a way that you can, con- that at least is healthy so that you're not losing this control. Is there something that you would have done differently as CEO that you're now sort of applying as you launch this new company? Well, I think we have a very different product now, right? So what, what I'm building today is very different than what we built back in the parlor days. And so to say that it's a comparable product, it isn't. It's a different product completely. It's more akin to Google News, Apple News, and, uh, and let's say like kind of Reddit-ish mixed in, if you will, for the lack of you know, better comparisons. But it's, it's kind of more along those lines where we start with pieces of information that are verified through articles and journalism, and then we start the conversation from there. Puck News uh, first reported about Hedgehog, and they reported it's being backed with $5 million from Fox Corp. Your spokesperson confirmed that the partnership. What exactly will Fox's role be in this new company? Fox is a um, minority partner right now. And you're correct. That's, that, that is um, accurate information that you received. Um, and I, I, think, I think it's excellent that we have a big partner to kind of validate our business model and say, hey, this is a serious product. We need to take it seriously. And it's, um, let's give it a shot. And I think that's really important for the market to see. I think it validates the importance of having more news aggregation, more referral traffic to social um, from social to news. Right now, clicks and traffic are down on almost all social platforms going into news sites. And you even have some CEOs on social platforms kind of raging a war against media and journalism, if you will, um, you know, almost daily saying how, how much more reliable social media content is, which I don't think is necessarily true. Uh, right. So we still need journalism. We still need all these good sources of information and we need them now more than ever. I mean, to that point, you know, this idea of having a platform that is about ideas and, and focuses on journalism. I mean, there are some people who will question, I think, how Hedgehog can be kind of free of bias or neutral or just about accuracy with Fox behind it, considering mm-hmm. Fox News is conservative. Some of their own pundits have propagated these false fake news, you know, storylines and um, things like that. How do you respond to that? Yeah, well, I think Hedgehog First is going to be successful if we have a diverse set of people on it. So we're only really going to be successful in finding this discussion and debate and discourse if there are people with different opinions on there. And so that's really important. That, you know, going into how we can make sure that that happens, I would like to see our top stories, the news aggregation page, which we're calling channels, get more channels, right? And so not just have Hedgehog's editorial team, that's laying the foundation of what we're trying to do, but take it to other media outlets and let them have their own channel. So if you don't like our news aggregation, um, and I think ours is pretty good. I like the tone. And there's in our company, there's at least a separation of church and state, if you will. Um, I don't have 
almost any influence on the editorial team and I stay away from it other than, you know, saying, wow, that was a cool article you guys did, you know, great. And commenting on the platform. I would love to see more channels show up. And so if there's a, um, you know, a news media group that you find the most trustworthy, I'd love to have them on there. And so that's what I'd like to see over time. And so in terms of your, you know, your investors or your business partners right now, I mean, do they reflect kind of that diversity you're talking about? Do they either represent different ideological perspectives or have, you know, more neutral stances than Fox might have? Yeah, the the relationship that I have with them and from my understanding and everything is that we are a very um, business focused group. So, you know, we came in to validate the business model that right now uh, social media needs something like what we're building. And to, de- to develop a better relationship, we're sending these, this traffic to news media outlets, to getting this conversation online and improving that and doing it in a way that's friendly to the bottom line of the business. And so I don't really see um, any political influence from it. I'm not told what to do. And uh, we're acting completely independently as an independent company. So I'm really excited to, to have this opportunity. And I think it's good that they're an investor. And I think it would be even better to get different media outlets into in the future. Will it sort of be a failure in my in your mind if this winds up catering to or being primarily used by one political party or you know the, over the other, right? Because mm-hmm. Parler sort of came to be associated as a conservative platform, and this it sounds like you don't want to have those same kind of connotations. No, I don't want those kind of connotations, and I think that you know a, a little bit of a difference too here is. You know, back in the parlor area, I was actually the minority partner. So here, you know, Jared, the co-founder, and I are actually the majority partners. We're in the driver's seat here. And that's what's really important to me. I don't think that Hedgehog is going to be successful until we get a diverse set of people on here and a diverse set of opinions. That's in line with our objectives and mission statement. And so that's what I'd like to see us do. We'll be right back. You know, I was reading your blog in preparing for uh, the, our interview, and there were some comments you made that stuck out to me. One was, just before you announced Hedgehog, you said, you know, our discourse is broken, our social media is broken, our culture is breaking at the seams, it's clear it needs fixing, who better than someone who saw it break in real time, fell into the chasms, nearly got crushed by them, but survived. Mm-hmm. That's the how you, you described it. Yeah. Why do you feel you're the right person to sort of fix this broken online culture? Well, I mean, I to your point, I was certainly left with a bit of a, a I call it like a brand bashing, a little bruised and defeated afterwards. Um, and I definitely um, don't have the most ideal brand to come in and say, hey, you know, let's do this. But that's also, I think, what kind of qualifies me here is I've seen both the good and the bad. I've seen kind of what the top looks like. That was great, you know going online and feeling like, oh, wow, you know, ooh, I could get a new house and I got this unicorn company we built and we got a billion dollar valuation, you know, and then going back to, hey, um, hmm, we need to budget at the supermarket this week. And um, ooh, what am I going to do next in my life? Right. And so you go from the top to the bottom. It makes you reconsider all the decisions that you made along the way. And I think what's really important is that, you know, I learned a tremendous amount. And that and last experience, you know, even launching a new product, it felt somewhat less, it didn't feel chaotic at all. 
And I remember previously my experiences, everything was very chaotic. But in addition to building and managing a social media, we know how to architect it differently. We know how to take a look at features and know what is it that bad actors are going to do with this feature that we have here and how are they going to try to use it um, to the disadvantage of the community. And I, and I mean that from even your following lists. So we don't make your following and followers lists open to the public. We don't want people doing what's called like like group stalking, if you will, where you take a look at people's following lists and you try to bully through them or you shame them for who they might be engaging with. And so we've taken kind of an approach on every single feature. We're taking a look at it and saying, is this how social media should be done? And what can we do differently to ensure that we don't have some of these negative consequences? The drama, let's call it, surrounding your exit from Parler is still playing out in court. You're currently suing some of your former Mm -hmm. business partners like Republican mega donor Rebecca Mercer and conservative pundit Dan Bongino. But I don't know that I've heard in our conversation, though, how much of what happened is your own responsibility and how you're taking that into this next venture. I would call some of the people that I worked with previously, I'd say that it was more, they were very politically oriented, they were very toxic, and they weren't necessarily um, the best people to be an influence on, on me as a business owner. And I think that it did have an effect on me. Now, certainly, I made a lot of mistakes also in that process. So by no means can I just say, oh, point the finger, and they're the ones to blame. Certainly, um, kind of learning from your previous experiences means you have to accept some sort of responsibility. And there is tremendous responsibility there. But at the same time, I need to recognize those bad influencers sooner, right? And, I, and, and, and that's really important. And that's one of the big takeaways that I think I had from that time is when somebody says something, they might actually mean it. So, you know, maybe don't take it so lightly. And if you see these red flags, take it seriously. And I know that's branching outside the tech realm, but in in kind of a little bit personal, but it's really true and important. Do you have a different sense now of like the responsibility that kind of comes with having to make these calls? And how do you, as you embark on this new venture, sort of set your own expectations for the responsibility you have, I guess. Yeah. In the past, I guess my thought was, well, the platform isn't responsible because, um, you know, as long as we're abiding by the law, we're doing our job. Right. But that's wrong. Mm. That is wrong. That was a, that was a, that was a misconception that I previously had. And that was a bit of my own kind of ideological thinking at the time mixed with a lot of reinforcement from some people who I think were, you know, didn't have my best interests in mind, reinforcing that idea in my head. Um, And so I'm looking at it now and I'm saying the platform does have serious responsibility because these features have that you're designing, even the little things like whether or not to disclose that someone is following you or might not be following you, every little minute feature has an impact on the social media as a whole, whether you allow certain types of content, whether you don't. Not just that you moderate, how the moderation is done. All of these things have a tremendous impact on the social media as a whole. And so even if you're saying legally someone's allowed to say something and you're not responsible for it, you do have tremendous responsibility to make sure that the platform is built in a way that it doesn't incentivize bad behavior. And I'm seeing too much of this bad incentives going around on other social media platforms. And I'm sure we're not going to be perfect at everything we do. And we're going to hit some bumps along the way. But it's keeping in mind that we have to do something to make sure that the platform is done properly. It's not lost on me that you're launching this new app in an election year when we're likely going to see a rematch between Mm -hmm. Biden and Trump. 
What role do you see Hedgehog playing in this election this time around? Well, we're in our growth phase right now. So we'll see, you know, how much of a significant impact, you know, we could even be, right? Like, I'm not saying that that's our objective, but I just don't think we're going to be that big of a player in this election cycle. But I think it's important that we set the example for what we want to do in the future, right? And I think it's clear that over that social media in the last election overstepped a lot of boundaries. Um, and I, and I'm not just talking, you know, the platform that I was in charge of at the time. I think every social media platform overstepped a lot of boundaries. They went and banned stuff one week that they unbanned the next. There was a lot of flip-flopping. And I think that's something that we could all learn from is if you're constantly trying to dictate what is allowed and not allowed from a central point of authority, and you can't trust the people on your platform to get involved in that process, you're always going to be behind. And you're never going to be able to keep up with what society is is doing, thinking, and, and how to keep the platform safe. And, you know, with AI and all these other tools that we're trying to introduce to help the process, yeah, it helps people be more productive, but it can't replace people. So it's it's still not going to solve those problems. My last question, which I've, you know, I've asked all of these uh, questions about your personal responsibility and content moderation. Um, my last question is, why is this thing called Hedgehog? Oh, yeah. So, you know, my first app that I ever built was with um, our co-founder, Jared. Him and I were building apps together since college. And the first app that I ever built and published was called Hop and Hedgehogs. And it was what I called a toilet tapper. It's where you sit on the toilet and you just tap on your phone and you play this game. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it, it, it was just a platformer. And you were a hedgehog. It was my pet hedgehog, Gloria, at the time. So for me, the term hedgehog kind of brings me back to where we kind of started from. And, you know, now that I've had a chance to assess what we've done and what we've accomplished, let's go back to kind of more of the roots, right? So what is it that I actually want to stand for? What is it that we actually want to do? Well, hedgehog is kind of, it's, it's a cute character. It's not so serious. And we're taking on some serious concepts. And so let's dial it all back a little bit. and Remember that we're trying to have a good conversation with one another. And we're trying to learn something from it. Well, John, thank you for joining us on Politico Tech. Thank you so much for having me. It was nice talking to you. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our managing producer is Annie Reese. Our producer is Afra Abdullah. And our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. See you back here tomorrow.